In a land far away, once upon a time, Brendan, Vicky B, partners in crime. We danced through life like, like a couple of gays. But as time went by, we went our separate ways. Now we're back together, talking about whatever. Talking about the music that, that we, we love forever. Hooking you up like a telephone jack. Everybody listen up, we're getting back on track. Hey everybody and welcome back to Back on Track. Hey Brendan. Hey Vicky. How's it going? It is so going. <laughs> so we're still, we're winding down our summer. We're getting ready to go into the yeah. fall time. It's going to be a little bit, a little bit cooler. I love the fall. A little bit breezier. Yeah. Yeah. You know what else about the fall? Um, you know, it's a time where seasons change and I think we think about you know, the end of the year, mm-hmm. you know, things starting to wind down. You're approaching the holidays. Getting ready for the holidays. It's sort yeah. of that last breath before we charge into into what's coming next. Totally. The winter. Yeah. Winter. Winter's well, coming. I had something I wanted to mention for you and all of our gentle listeners out there. Okay. Um, in the interim since, you know, the last couple of recordings that we've done, um, an artist that I really have come to love and respect has passed away. His name is Atrell Cordes from the band PM Dawn. On June 17th, sadly, he passed away from complications due to uh, diabetes so, um, that's horrible. Vic. Yeah. Yeah. He's from Jersey city and, um, they were PM Dawn, the group that he, that he fronted with his brother, uh, J- Jarrett, um, and later on his cousin, Doc G, um, they were a hugely influential, um, R&B and hip hop group. Um, you can't talk about bands like, uh, Arrested Development or De La Soul without mentioning PM Dawn. Mm-hmm. They were riding the wave of, of, um, a lot of old school samples and really ethereal sort of pseudo spiritual Christianity, um, type of spoken word lyrics. He had a beautiful poetic way of perspective of looking at the world and very sensitive, you know, lyrics did a lot of collabos with some. How did you encounter folks. their music the first time? Do you, you remember? Know, their, their first big hit was that song, uh, Set Adrift on Memory Bliss that included a sample of, uh, True by Spando Ballet. Um, that, that was back in like 1990, I believe, from their debut album. And that was a big hit on MTV. It got a lot of airplay. And then mm-hmm. through the years, I followed them. Um, I, I bought their next three albums. They're all really magical and mystical. And one of their, uh, one of their most famous songs is actually a song called Through Patient Eyes, which features a sample of Father Figure by George Michael. Oh. So it's very tenderly, you know, utilized. And they're really eclectic in the way that they chose the samples and the way that the samples informed the songs that they were doing. Um, and I just sort of, I, I, I picked them up. I, I tripped on it for a little while, and I never stopped. I always I followed them along through, you know, his relationships and his children, and and um, he had a really unique, different perspe- perspective and a different way of looking at hip hop that we don't see a lot. That's not blasted. It's not about champagne and about the club. It's about sort of existence and and spirituality and your soul and um, and so anyway, as a fellow New, New Jersey. Um, uh, Jersey City citizen, um, I thought that I would mention that because yeah, he's that's hugely beautiful. influential. I think it's great that we get to honor um, artists like that. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to tell everybody and you, and maybe in the future, 
um, we can add some of their li- their songs to at least my playlists. Yeah. But um, being that, I encourage got, everyone to check them out. Check them out, definitely. And and it, and it's also a cute little segue into what's become what's a really amazing and special episode for us. Absolutely, a hugely important episode. Hugely important. I think. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that this artist is someone that you know you and I have had an ongoing conversation about for years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, has has really shaped our you know our lives in a lot of um, powerful ways. And I think we've been able to relate to a lot of his struggles and challenges. And um, it's been, it's been interesting to watch and go along for the ride. Um, But today we're celebrating the genius that is George Michael. Awesome. It's been, this has been such a long time coming. I can't wait to go. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, probably he, one of the most, uh, the, in terms of shaping the the atmosphere of pop music, probably one of the most important figures in the last couple of decades. I think so. Um, and his his voice is unparalleled. Yeah. I mean, it's just... And a huge LGBT icon as well. Huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, huge. And it has some really controversial, you know, experiences, publicly controversial experiences totally. that have um, had a huge cultural impact. Well, we're going to slam it out. We're going to talk about it all. We're going to lay it all out on the table. Absolutely. Let's get ready for some... How do you say his last name? Paniyotu. <laughs> you better get some paniotu up in here. Yorios Kiriakos Paniotu. Oh, that's so beautiful. AKA George Michael. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you've gotta you've gotta start this one, I think, Vic. Oh man. I mean like, where do we I can start talk, anywhere. Well I'm gonna talk about my favorite song by him. Oh wow. I, arguably my favorite song okay. by him. Don't I'm hold gonna, back. I, I, we're going to start off, it's not from one of his albums, it's a compilation album from Red Hot and Dance from Too Funky is such a blast. Don't you just love that this is where we're starting it off? Yeah. This is the ultimate sexiest romp of a song. There's so many songs sampled in here. We've got Never Stop by the Brand New Heavies, which is the beat. We've got Somebody Else's Guy by Jocelyn Brown. I mean, this was offered up on the compilation Red Hot and Dance, which was, uh, you know put together to build awareness about AIDS. Yeah. And this is right at the height of the AIDS crisis. And at the same time, still sort of advocating for sex. It's very sex positive, which is great. That's totally what he's about completely, 100%, is not about fear or shame regarding sex or sexuality, never being apologetic and about discussing discussing well you know we're gonna we're gonna hit this so many times today but i and i just want to point it out now is that what's interesting is he's as much as he's outwardly being you know sex positive it's that thing where you put out what you almost need to hear Mm -hmm. i think that he very much uh struggled with some of these topics internally anyway totally well listen not in this track and this track is such a (laughs) a sexy blatant proposition and it's an answer of course to frida 90 in the video oh is it isn't it oh Tell me about that. A little bit? Tell me about that. I mean, this, so Freedom, with Freedom 90, he began the journey of taking himself visually out of the music videos and using models and things like that. And so in this one, he was planning, there was an idea to maybe use the same models, but they actually decided to use a different group of models, which, you know, included Linda Evangelista. Again, she was also in the the other one, but also Emma uh, Sojberg, Estelle Halliday, Shanna Zadrick, Tyra Banks, Beverly Peel, Emma 
Emma Balfour, um, among others. And there were also drag queens, Joey yeah. Arias and Lipsinka, and then actresses Julie Newmar and Rossi De Palma. I think Julie Newmar was actually like the uh, the sort of uh, like the fashion designer, or the woman sort of like in charge of uh, making sure everybody went out on time at the end. The one yeah, who comes yeah. out. I think that was Julie Newmar. I think. Am well, I no, wrong? Julie has a moment in the... Well, see, I'm confusing them in my head right now. I'll tell you why. Because mm-hmm. I was recently rewatching, yeah. and um, I was watching the uh, the Terry Mugler... Is that how you say his yeah. name? Uh, yeah, I think so. Mugler. Mm-hmm. Mugler. Um, anyway, I was watching his like director's cut, which you know he and George were creative partners on this video. Mm-hmm. And then they had on set some sort of falling out. Oh, was there a drama? Yeah, there okay. was a drama. Yeah, I, I mean, they that. were they were you know, attached to the hip throughout the creative process for this. And then it ended up that it didn't go so well. And at the end of the day, the, the final cut, I don't even think was, was Mugler's at all. Oh. Um, in fact, I think it ends in the original video directed by question mark. Right. Yeah. I remember that. I think that's why. Oh, wow. Um, He's always just a little bit shady. Yeah. 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 And the, the, the director's cut version, the Mugler version is much, um, I mean, I actually think it's a little bit messier to tell you the truth. Uh Um, but it, it's, it's, there's a lot more going on. There's more male models. There's more, um, there's a little bit more of like a story. Um, it's, it, there's just, there's a lot happening. But I think that Julie Newmar walks out down the catwalk with a cigarette. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're probably right. I'm sorry. No, don't be, no I think I could, no, I could be wrong too. Listen, whatever it's slamming. And I also, another thing that I love about this is one of the tracks that he was working on for Listen Without Prejudice volume two that made it onto Red Hot and Dance in one way or the other. And another really great song that happens to be the B side of this track on the single. I remember I had the cassette when I was a little kid. It's called, um, Crazy Man Dance. And it's about like sort of like being a homeless person in New York and, and what's that what that's like and i thought it it continued his his sort of legacy of social justice in music um you know going along with the aids thing and also tackling you know homelessness with crazy man dance i thought that was pretty cool but this song is so slamming i i just i completely love it i feel like it's got all of the sex and the strut that we everybody enjoys about him and it's also just chock full of beautiful gorgeous people you know and it's just totally. like it, it's it, it it celebrates everybody not that it's about her but i mean i remember like you know this is 1992 i remember seeing tyra in this video and it was really one of my first like mm-hmm. memories of seeing tyra banks and being Man, like just crap. blown away yeah. and, and um, also it bears mentioning too that the the girl that comes out with a motorcycle outfit that's the same motorcycle outfit that beyonce is wearing for her sasha fierce photo shoot yep and i also think that the robot girl that comes out is it, it might be the same or it's recreated for lady gaga's paparazzi video well mugler did out. a lot of work with Lady Gaga. Yeah, yeah. And she's well, very, and Beyonce. He, and Beyonce, he the yeah. Tour. And Lady Gaga was very inspired by his work. You watch, you look at his fashion shows and whatnot, it's, it's Gaga all the way. Understandably so. Yeah. So that's where I, that's where I begin. I love that. But I, I think that's the right. I'm curious to hear, like, what your, what your definitive moment is. Well, this is going to make you laugh because I think this always sort of sums us up a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, and, 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 and Too Funky is right up there for me as well. But, um, I wanted to start with um, one of my favorites that's a little bit more melancholy um, and talk about One More Try. So I don't want to learn to hold you, touch you. Because it ain't no joy. 
right? So this there. was from the Faith album. Mm-hmm. This is when he, you know, broken from Wham. Um, he's really on his own. This album, of course, is a smash. We'll probably talk about some other songs from Faith. Um, and One More Try is just, uh, what was it? It was the fourth of six singles from the album. Um, it's incredibly long. Not really, but for a pop song, it's like six minutes. So that's yeah. that's kind of intense. But um, really, you know, there's just this amazing reflecting going on about, you know, obviously we can look back now and know more. I think it was almost just insinuations and questions back then, but there, there's all of this reflecting on his sexuality and his heart and clearly being, um, uh, clearly losing a love and, and dealing with, with a new love and, and going through that transition. Um, and the video itself, it what really blows me away about this video is how the first two minutes yeah. he's in the church Obscurity. and completely obscure and there's no cut. Uh-huh. It's just a straight take for like two solid yeah. minutes. Which is sort of um, like suicide in like MTV culture. Yeah. But he did it. So powerful. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What do you think of this song? Um, I think it's great. I mean, like, listen, I didn't ever really connect to this song until I was older. Um, when I was younger, I felt like the pace dragged a little bit, and I think it was impossible for me to be able to understand what he was talking about. Um, so I don't have the same nostalgia for it that you do. Hmm. But I nowadays I look at it as the flip side to father figure actually look at it from like the other person's perspective being Mm -hmm. on the other side of an introductory or like a mentorship experience which happens to be as it you know really common among gay people in the way that they get introduced to the sexuality to the to know the lifestyle if that's what you want to call it the actual life is with somebody else that has had more experience than them and sort of like kind of showing them the ropes well and he says this song is about quote from him it's about my attitude coming out of my last relationship and into this new one when i was pretty unwilling to be open to anything yeah yeah which i mean any gay boy can relate to that. Mm-hmm. I totally. Think. Well, and ironically, he's at the height of his stardom. And it's funny yeah. because he was really trying to escape the sort of formulaic and kind of women screaming, sort of like the superficiality of all that. And so he thought that he could get some credibility by going by going solo and by writing this work of like really e- explicit and honest stuff. You know, I don't he think found people... himself in the same boat. Go ahead. Totally. I have two things to say. One is, I don't think people really realize that how much uh, that he's a writer in this. Yeah. Way. I don't think people really realize that all this material is his written and produced. Which it doesn't have to be. We talked a few episodes ago about how you can have a singer like Celine Dion do totally. her thing, and that's wonderful. But mm-hmm. it is all the more just powerful that he does write and produce his work completely, um, except for the covers, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, the other thing that I've heard him talk a lot about is how you know you have this relationship with fame and with you know, paparazzi and with audiences where there's this point he talks about as a, as a pop star where you want the attention, you're drawing them in. And then like so many other relationships, when you're chasing something, it's hot and it's alluring. And then when you get it, it loses the mystique and then you kind of want to push it away. Mm-hmm. And um, that psychology that I think people experience in their own love lives in a very personal, intimate way, he's experienced quite a bit with his relationship with, uh, with fame and celebrity. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, he held off for a long time and I think he was trying to, he, he, I remember him talking on Parkinson about the whole coming out thing and, and about him saying it wasn't so much that he was necessarily in, it was something that he was always asked 
throughout the years and he would answer, you know, coyly and, and, and things like that. But it was like sort of he didn't want to give them the satisfaction of sort of, I don't know, of getting well, a... I was watching, I think this was, um, I think this is what this was from, but I was watching an older interview with him on Oprah recently. Yeah. Um, did you watch that one? Yeah, after the Patience album. Yeah. Um, it was for the, it was the promotion of the Patience album. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think he talks about how, um, specifically because he wasn't, um, he felt like his, his partner who had, died from AIDS. Anselmo. Anselmo. Mm-hmm. Um, because he didn't have the opportunity to, you know, be open and out and get the treatment that George believes or believed would have at least prolonged his life, if not given him, him a lot of life. Yeah. Um, he almost felt like it was a sort of like a fuck you. Yeah. Press. Right. You don't deserve, like you don't deserve to know that. You don't get yeah. the satisfaction of, and, yeah. and, and, and the way that they would present it was in a way where I felt very much like kind of what was done to Ricky Martin, where it would be like admitting something that was wrong or negative. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. And in that sense, I've always, ha- always had a respect for him and never begrudged him for it. And as a matter of fact, listening to his music, I could hear his story, whether or not he was out publicly or not. Exactly. You know Which what I mean? Why if one really more try listened. resonates as a little, you know, 10, 11, 12 year old. Totally. I, like I could hear that. Well, and apparently Mariah Carey did too. Cause she just covered it on her me. I am Mariah. Sure did. The elusive Chanteuse. <laughs> the elusive Chanteuse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Give me another one. We could talk about this. Okay. Object. Well, going, I think that you touched on Anselmo and I think it's a really good moment to, 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 take down you know to go down that corridor mm-hmm. uh, it's the, the first single from his 1995 album older featured this beautiful song one of my favorites it's called Jesus to a child when you've been loved when you know it holds such prince then the love that you kissed will comfort you Yeah. What I love as I was reading about this is actually a bossa nova. It's a Brazilian. Mm-hmm. It's a Brazilian. Well, they met style. in Rio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In um, in 1991, and Anselmo tragically he died in 1993. But it's a it's another risk taker of a song. It's a long seven minute slow tempo song, and it's really characterized by these long musical breaks of like sad Latin guitars and strings and pan flutes. It's very atmospheric, and the video features a lot of mystic and sort of ethereal imagery it uh, he go he went from having this sort of all-american and type of and like pop and model type of infused visuals to getting this really grown up and and sort of um, mysterious jazzy type of darkness to his videos Mm -hmm. like you know the name of the album is older he adopts a a totally new uh silhouette his hair is cut shorter he's got more uh more defined you know facial hair hair. he's looking a little bit more severe and and also what i love about this song is um the idea of your lover being jesus of, of somebody that you're in love with like sort of saving you a miracle worker with the ability to like absolve your sins and redeem your soul yeah you know and if you've ever cared for somebody that's been dying um 
or if you've ever just, you know, I don't know, just cared for somebody or, or, or worked hard for something that you knew might fail, you might know a fraction of what George might have been feeling when he put this song together to write about somebody that sort of saved him. This idea of this pure love. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and real unconditional acceptance. I, I was thinking, you know, he does reference God in his music from time to time, but not too much jesus specifically and mm-hmm. i was wondering learning more about anselmo and then the vet they met in rio if 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 jesus was specifically referenced as it relates to like the statue that's on you know that mm-hmm. or maybe just rio, his religion maybe religion his, his religion and wanting to protect his family yeah. from knowing that he was a gay and b had hiv, HIV yeah. by not going you know having treatment in the states and going back to rio and that he was very very much protective and someone was of his family and so i think it was inter- an interesting tool where george chose the religion the very thing that might have been oppressive to him yeah and compared him to that and said no yeah. you are you're Je- jesus you're jesus yeah. you know like god is in all of us and it's i think that's powerful. a highly controversial and very powerful statement to make and all the more poignant given the situation you one of the I mean? lyrics i love um from the song is uh so the words you could not say i'll sing them for you and the love we would have made i'll make it for two mm-hmm. yeah Ugh. Absolutely beautiful. He's got a way with words, doesn't right? he? Right? Wow. <laughs> so that's one of my favorite songs. No, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. So where are we going to take it next, Gura? Oh, my God. <laughs> There's so many options. Um, I would love to talk about something to save. I have no secrets from you. And I have nothing left to hide. And I'm so tired of all these questions. Maybe you just changed your mind Like I have Like I have Brendan, you know I love this song. I know you do. I, I mean, I think I about you song. actually you very really? often when I hear this now. Oh, yeah. I, I have such a good memory of um, dancing with you when mm-hmm. you were... Uh, Choreographing. Yeah, we were making some work together yeah. on George Michael songs, and this is one of those songs that we chose. Yeah. So tell me why it's on this list for you. Um, th- this to me is one of those iconic George songs where there's some, um, there's, for me, you, you always talk about how I sort of lean towards the, um, optimistic Mm -hmm. and there's something tragic about this it's still sort of digging in the into the hurt of something but it's contrasted musically with this sort of energy that's driving upward Mm -hmm. and at the end he sort of resigns himself to like trying uh, just like one more time to make something work yeah um and god i relate to that it's constructive (laughs) yeah yeah totally Um, I love this song. I love the cello in it. I think it really makes it theatrical. You know me and strings and theatricality. I'm all about that. Um, I also want to give a quick shout out to Phil Palmer, who was the guitarist for this song. Oh, nice. And for most of that album, for, you know, um. Did we say the album? Listen Without Prejudice. Yeah, it's track four. From 1990. Yeah, track Mm -hmm. four. And, um, he was making it a point to really juxtapose on this album folk music with current sort of black styles. Um, you know, they have, they won't go when I go by by Steamy Wonders mm-hmm. on the album, but they also have oh, a, a, so a folk song like this on the on the album. So I I wanted to mention the guitarist, and I love the honesty and the vulnerability of this song. I love just the the naked sort of candid expression of love, telling somebody that you love them and asking them to meet you halfway. Yeah. 
Um, I think it's beautiful. I think it's vulnerable. And the harmonies mm-hmm. when the backing vocals come in. Oh my gosh. Totally. I, I, I took note as I was listening to this. I feel like it, he's always dealing with these partners. And we talked about Anselmo a little bit earlier who, who have a hard time coming forth with their emotions or have a hard time being there completely for him. I feel like it's been his lot in, in his life that there's always been some sort of a preconceived notion of what a man should be because of their families or religion or, or society or whatever. And he, He's always trying to, like you say, like provide the the upward um, the upward focus for mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? Yeah, do you feel I, that in this? I, I do. It's like I, think... I have no secrets from you. I have nothing left to hide. You know, why don't you look inside like I have? You know, why don't you yeah. say it? Yeah, you know, it seems like he's dealing with somebody that's having a hard time expressing their emotions or something. I think that's true. I think he also is definitely, as we look at his life, someone who is really, you know, stuck in a loop. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he's very much drawn to um, these kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's no—I don't mean that as an offense. I just mean when you look at the dynamic between two people, I feel like it's a dynamic, as you were saying, that he constantly revisits. And so I would sort of turn it around, and it's like, are they not doing that, or is are or his expectations, or is his behavior? Yeah. You, know you know that song, Cars and Trains, where he says, you know, taking yourself to the top of that building, throwing yourself, you know, doing the same thing over. You know, yeah. you're just you're just throwing yourself under the wheels. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you don't go with that guy again. You're gonna, you know, you, you want to get off, but it's it's not all that it, that it appears to be. And I think he's very aware of himself oh. sort of, you know, creating his own sort of, you know, his, his own cage. I completely agree. <laughs> I completely agree. Absolutely. I, can I talk about actually from that era, from that era, if we're, from that era, I can't believe I just said that. I, and we're not going to edit that out either no, because it's, it's just a classic Vicky screw good. up. From that album, Patience in 2004, that was a beautiful gift to us that he gave. The song that really is, I feel like the corn, like the, at the heart of everything that we're about here, My Mother Had a Brother. My mother had a brother. Same desire, different time Seems the empty spaces tortured him Until he took his own life I mean, this song is now, so I have beautiful. to tell you, I have heard this song because when Patience came out, I loved it. Yeah. Um, but I, I really didn't know the backstory. Well, I mean, I'm really, I don't really, can't say that I know the backstory either, but if you listen well, to I it. Well, I guess I just didn't really listen that closely. I didn't yeah. realize, I just didn't realize that he actually was like talking about himself and that his uncle died on his birthday. Yeah. Like and that his uncle was gay and that he never had the courage to, 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 I mean, to dare to dream. So he never thought that he would see the things that George has seen. And so again, just like for Anselmo, he's going to, he's going to live his life in honor of his, of his uncle. And he's going to do like, you know, do that justice, you know, be everything that his uncle couldn't be for yeah. his honor. And he's going to love hard. And, and, you know, I, I think it's wonderful. And it's such a, it's such a flip side to the sort of slut shaming that we get all the time as gay men about our, our needing to connect physically, you know, our sexuality. Like we, we get so much of that sort of tisk tisking, you know, for, for just wanting to love and connect with Completely. each other. Completely. I, I love that when, you know, when Patience came out and he was asked, you know, it was his first real album of new material since, um, his, his arrest, which we'll talk about in a mm-hmm. little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he, you know, he was asked if he was concerned that, you know, his, his now, uh, 
open uh, sexuality was going to be uh, a deterrent to people buying his music and hurt his appeal. And he said, I'm really not interested in anyone selling music to homophobic people. Right. Yeah. That's the quote. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's I it. just like, I yeah. have to finish a sentence. Do it. Cause I was like, stuttering. <laughs> no, 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 because it, it bears repeating so yeah. many times. It's like, it's classic, like Madonna school of rock. Like the, the, the playboy pictures come out and she's like, I don't care. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to allow you to shame me for it. Right. Like, you know, yeah. I like I, I I showed a dude my dick in a public toilet. He fucking you know he he entrapped me. Yeah. You know like I'm not, but I'm not gonna say I'm sorry for it. I'm doing anything that I'm ashamed of. And here's my partner, and we're on national television, and he's sitting here smiling at me. So yeah. y'all can just go to hell. You know what I mean? And it takes that it immediately descandalizes the whole situation, and then and you and he wins. He wins. I mean. For the most part, he wins. Yeah. He wins the short, the short game. I think it's worth taking two seconds in case anyone doesn't really know the story about that arrest, just to give a quick, like, summary of it. Cause I think people who aren't gay, like, don't necessarily relate to that world or can't imagine how that would happen. Sure. Um, but essentially, you know, he's in the park. He's, uh, you know, goes into the bathroom and there, it's empty when he walks in. Then an undercover cop, essentially, who's, you know, basically looking to make sure that nobody's engaging in lewd acts or prostituting themselves or doing whatever they might be doing. Um, or, 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 uh, well, he's an undercover cop and like he, it seems like he's trying to catch people. Well, correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dressed very attractively. Mm-hmm. What, um, what has George called them before? I forget. There's like a name. Anyway, I don't know. It was like the pretty police or something yeah. like that. Um, but the point is, is the guy was essentially making a gesture in his pants to, uh, to essentially a to a hard indicating, on, indicating that he had one sort of enticing and playing with George. And in that moment, they're the only ones in this bathroom and, and, and George exposed himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's violation six, four, seven, a, they, they, so the, the, the cop walked out and yeah. it wasn't until George like, was like, oh, I guess he's not interested. Exactly. And walked out and went back to his car. That that's when they like took him down to the ground. Took and, him like, down to the ground. Arrested him. Arrested and he went him. To, to to jail that night. And yep. it was in the in the papers the next morning. And there's helicopters out outside his house and this and that and the other. So so th- basically, the point of the story is, you know, does he admit to you know any wrong doing that situation? Sure, I think he would say that like that's probably you know. You're not allowed to do that in public. Mm-hmm. I think he would say that. But at the same time, um, it's just a reflection of kind of, it, it was a kind of a nasty thing to do. Yeah. It was wrong. Well, and then the officer, after, um, uh, the officer actually charged George Michael with like a defamation suit. Like, well, he like, he didn't charge him, but he, 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 he sued. sued him. Yeah. 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 Because George talked about it and then mm-hmm. made a video. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but which we should segue right into. Yeah. The name of this song from, it was first appeared on ladies and gentlemen, the best of George Michael. The name of the song is outside. I think I'm done with the sofa. I think I'm done with the hall. So tell us about Outside. You know a lot about this song, right? Well, I mean, I know a little bit about it. I mean, it was, um, you know, it came out in, what, 1998? 
It yeah. was his first uh, real piece of new music following the arrest, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was his first single as a basically an out gay man. Yeah. And, the and he video, really doubled down. Totally. <laughs> well, the funny, the cool thing is that you juxtapose a song called Outside about like being done with making love behind closed doors and being yeah. sick and tired of like sort of hiding, you know, your affection, playing indoors and wanting to take it out to the masses, out to the world and feel your toes in, in the grass. And... Um, and juxtaposing it with like making fun of the whole arrest situation by dancing as a cop with oh a God. nightstick and like being in the, a bathroom. The bathroom turns into a disco. The, 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 the urinals turn around and they're platinum. Yeah. And you've got freaks and drag queens dancing with you in the bathroom. And then, and then surveillance footage of two cops making out, which. Yeah. I think is amazing and also doubles down on this hypocrisy of charging him with yeah, indecency. Exactly. You know, like exactly. Um, so just a genius move and typical of him. It was like, badass. Amazing sense of humor. Yeah. You know, from the pornography at the beginning, which is that's also skewering, like turning taking somebody's personal life situation and turning it into something that's marketable and like commodifiable. You know what I mean? And and pornography, basically. Absolutely. And they're the ones that are making it, not him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just absolutely genius. (laughs) It is really genius. I think what's always... I mean, I remember watching this. So I should say this. I remember watching this video when it came out. um, And I was in middle school. And again, I think it was the same year I really came out to all of my friends. Um, And so I was definitely in that moment of, like, owning my sexuality at 14 years old. (laughs) Or whatever I was. 13, 14. And you're like, George Michael is my hero. Completely. With his nightstick. Completely. (laughs) Oh, my God. And so sexy. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. And I love that. You know, as I got older, though, I will say, you know, and this is the hard thing with him is that he makes... He makes his messes. Yeah. Um, and that's always what's, that's always sort of the, the double bind with him or whatever the right phrase is. Um, sure. He's very aware of it. Yeah. You know, and I, I read something funny. He was saying how he's only ever smiling if he's like, you know, in the middle of a scandal. You know, <laughs> which I think oh is, God. but yeah, he, you know, he looked so handsome in that video. He had grown his hair out, you know, after having had such a short, severe sort of like, can we talk about the short, thing? severe thing? Because yeah. I really feel like what's also interesting, go with me on this or not, mm-hmm. but I think that, um, that whole older look when he cut his hair really short and had the sculpted facial hair, I feel like all these years later, it's like, what John Travolta has become. Oh my God, I know! And I, I think know. it's so fascinating to think that John Travolta has modeled himself after, after- closeted George Michael. <laughs> right? Well, he started to grow his hair out as Adele Dazeem. He's got the longer hair, right? Yeah, but it's still you know, sculpted it's in very this sculpted. way. That is like, and he's always in the all black. It just looks like that period of George Michael not being fully yeah. up front, like mm-hmm. winking at everyone. But coming out with a highly suggestive album full of like, right. basically pretty telling tales. Yeah. <laughs> so I just feel like if, if this isn't John Travolta's subtle cue. Well, that's an interesting observation, Brendan, one that I also shared. I'm curious <laughs> though, I'm curious to figure out what's the next thing that you've got for me? What's the next oh my throwdown gosh. track that you're going to hit me with? Oh, I'm going to hit gonna hit you hit me. with, um, well, you know, I think we talked a bit about Patience, but we should talk about the lead single from Patience because it was, um, you know, it was it was it, it was a real smash. And after everything he'd gone through, it was nice that he got some some play and some recognition. So I want to talk about Amazing.
amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so this was um yeah, this was a dance pop song released in March of 2004. Um the music video was directed by Matthew Rolston and um what do I have to say about this video? I don't know. I loved this era for him. I was sort of waiting for what his next thing was going to be. Um, this song came out and it seemed like a return to the George Michael that um, everybody loved and remembered. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was the reintroduction of that guitar that we had been yeah. missing from him for so long. We traded in the guitars for like the sort of tr- the trumpets and the sort of like the jazzy you heard swing the jazzy, stuff. Yeah. The last album that we got from him was, a, was an album of covers uh, with songs from the last century, which mm-hmm. in itself was amazing. Beautiful. But the last time we got a proper album full of new material was eight years. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, and honestly, this was marketed as kind of the first single from Patience, but technically it was the third. Because really? prior to this, yeah, Freak and Shoot the Dog were released as sort of one-off singles oh. prior to this, two years before this album coming out. We've seen a few other people play that game. Yeah, well, I don't know if it was testing the market or just they needed to find a home or whatever, but well, I know from watching his interviews that he's not concerned at this point with selling, with pushing units no. and selling records. So I think, he, I don't know, they, they just wanted to find a home for those are the well, amazing was nice also because after watching him go through all of the torture and pain you had this moment where he was not that anyone has to be partnered i mean i'm single right now but like it was nice to see him in what what sort of appeared to be a really positive healthy relationship sure his life seemed really healthy and vibrant he was singing about something upbeat and positive and i think just after all that he'd gone through it was really refreshing to see that george michael yeah. Well, Kenny just, Kenny Goss yeah. is his boyfriend of a long, long time. They were living together in, in Texas on and off, mm-hmm. um, like splitting it between there and going back, you know, to, to London or outside of London yeah. where Oprah did the whole tour through his house, <laughs> which is just beautiful. Yeah. Like such a, a English countryside, gorgeous house. Mm-hmm. But you could see, yeah, that the, they really were very much in love with each other. They're very happy. Um, he called him his American Angel, as mm-hmm. it's titled in the album. But the, this this album is very much it, it's it's absence of a lot of the darkness of older. There's still some disillusionment in this album, but For there's sure. also the upbeat songs and songs that you know reflecting on like this song is dedicated and written about Kenny, and I think it it's wonderful. It's like. Um, my next George Michael karaoke song that I want to conquer. Like I want to sing. It's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love to sing George Michael songs for karaoke. And this one is right at the top of my range, but I want to have an amazing night, an amazing night (laughs) where I just hit it. Sing amazing. You know what I mean? And sing amazing. I want to be amazing. (laughs) Singing amazing. I thought it was interesting how in this video he's a hologram. It kind of evoked totally evoked like futurism and you know like we're starting to get into like it's electro also like early two thousands moment. It's true yeah. where people were kind of doing things doing like that. that but yeah, this is a great song. I feel like um, I know I think you know there was one on your list that was from a similar moment that kind of pairs with this well. If we yeah, you want to talk about it real it? quick? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it was yours, but it was also mine. I love it. Um, but you had specifically a remix. Um, okay. Anyway, spoiling everything. Let's talk about flawless. Oh yes, this definitely was the, the remix. I can tell you the um oh god, what is the remix that I like? It's written on the it's written on the um 
on the the Spotify, the name of the remix that it's I like, like Jack and Rory, Jack or and Rory vocal club mix or something like that. Yeah, this song was like my college anthem. It came out a year before I was going to graduate, and the message of the song and the intensity of the of the remix. It felt like it was speaking directly to me. Yeah. Every There was so much at stake at that point in, in our lives. We're getting ready to g- graduate college and go out into the world. And George Michael is telling us, you're beautiful. You've got to go to go to the city. You're wasted here. Believe me that the dreams you dream, they don't fall into anybody's laps. Yeah. You know, there's got to be the way to make it. You got to think of something. And it was like, it, it, it was like me running across the Brooklyn Bridge like, ah! You know what I mean? Well, fear, like complete terror, and also like sexy strut empowerment, in, empowerment in yeah. the face of that. Well, you know it's interesting. I, mean? I think the original version does sort of drone on and on in this way, purposefully. Yeah. I mean, like there's this droning sort of late night at the club uh-huh. vibe going on, uh-huh. and then the remix that you picked out has it does add a little bit more flavor, um, variety, which I actually I like. Yeah, it really yeah. ups the intensity factor yeah. by like a million. And I also love the um the video for this this song. I, it takes place in a hotel, or it looks like a hotel. It's like a bedroom where people are coming in and out and getting ready. And thing and this and that and it, it it looks like it's footage of like a like several different people in their own experiences checking into this one hotel room and I imagine it being a hotel room like in New York in the middle of the city where somebody's going to come and they're going to meet the love of their life or they're going to go on an audition or they're going to you know they're going to run wild in the streets or they're going to they're going to cheat on their husband or whatever and they're all of these things are are intersecting and happening at all at exactly the same time in the video and it's shot in one continuous shot I believe. Is it really? Yeah, yeah and um huh. and they all burst into a uh a choreographed dance right at the end of the at the end of the video. But I just think it's it's a really cool way of visualizing the idea that he's trying to convey about going to a city and making something of yourself. You're sort of just like, you know, you're you're all of these lies have intersected at this one point. They're all coming to that point. And yep. like that hotel is literally the point where they're all coming to. I thought that was just a cool way of visualizing that. Absolutely. No, yeah. it was a great video. Um, I will have you know that th- this remix I used as pre-show music for my senior concert, which came, we came to call $100,000 later, which was basically like... Uh, the culmination of, you know, our time in college and sort of thinking about what are we going to do now? We've spent all this money and done all of this. Like, what's going to happen now? What does the future hold for us? And I, I it, it had a meaning to me for me to include it amongst all of those all of those pieces to be in the pre-show for that. So absolutely, he's definitely he's got a little sliver of a seed of, of a part of my life in there. It's awesome, you know. Yeah, yeah. And again, this was the, this was that moment when he was. It was a really nice moment for him. Yeah, it was when he was sort of, uh, I think, re-energized yeah. um, and and wanting to sort of be out in the world in this really nice way. Yeah. So, yeah. do you have something else that you want to drop, or do you? I've got, I've got go lots, with? but you can go if you've got something teed up. Oh, okay, absolutely. Um, I want to actually go back to that that songs from the last century album that we were talking about a, a hot minute ago from 1999. Um, it's one of his lesser known albums, but the song that I want to mention is called Secret Love. Secret love's no secret anymore. I'm 
so glad you included this this big band old school number. It's just an explosion of joy and love for somebody. And you know, I didn't know this, but it, it was an originally it was originally a ballad sung by Doris Day for this movie called Calamity Jane. Yep. Um, and just a little bit of fun facts for that that track. It won the Academy Award. Um, but nevertheless, she declined to perform at the ceremony. I guess be, she'd probably been jinxed by the fact that the, uh, the, the person who she was recording with said, you'll never, you'll, de-, she cut it in one take. And he said, you'll never do that better than that. And I think she was probably jinxed and like decided she never wanted to sing it ever again. And she never sung it ever again. She did it in one take. And isn't that insane? Yeah, I think it's crazy. Huh. Nowadays, people don't really pull stunts like that anymore. I think Prince would probably be the only person that would pull a, yeah, a thing never like do that. it again. No. <laughs> but I think what's funny is that the song has just been covered so much. Yeah. I mean, covered by literally a million and a half people. Well, I didn't really know about it until I heard George Michael sing Me it. Me neither. But it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I and also, he adds a little bit of a new dimension to it, given his story. His story, totally. Well, yeah. and it's presented in such a big band musical theater way, and it's such like a classic girl meets boy. They fall in love, they run off together, and they just love each other. And musical theater, the like the uh, the the motifs that we get from musical theater are always like that. And it's funny because there's an irony in the fact that so many gay people love musical theater so much and completely subscribe to that narrative, but it's presented in, in, in such a way. And you, you know that his story is that he's singing about a man and there's such an exactly. unbridled and like, um, there's an audacity to him singing so unashamed and un, unbridled about somebody that he's so in love with and shouting it to the highest hills, as he says, that it's just, it's it's almost like it's unfathomable. It's almost dangerous for me to think of imagining loving that freely and that, you know, it's like a, a concept that I'm not all that familiar with, if that makes any sense to you, yeah. you know? It's, I don't, uh, so to hear him sing that, it's just so freeing. Yeah. Agreed. You know? Agreed. Um, and I always imagine just these wild and uplifting musical numbers to this, you know, with tuxedos and, and definitely you know, and just men dancing to with each other. clear that classic image you were just talking yeah, about. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And like, it's really giving exciting. us, giving us a, a position in that realm, in the realm of big, you know, Hollywood and old, old films and stuff like that. You know, I talk so much about, um, I talk so much about Vito Russo and the celluloid closet and what our, what our roles have been traditionally in f- films gay people or the villain or the, the sidekick or the, the you know the 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 cunty fresh friend you know that you know um we're always a sort of an accessory or we're always sort of like r- wrong or um or evil in some way and and to be able to see ourselves up there like that that's what this track brings me yeah you know like, like to be the stars and to be the, the romantic leads it, it does. It, yeah, absolutely. It's you get beautiful. to feel like you get to be that um, Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Lead. Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, okay. Well, can I throw out um, a famous cover? Yes. This song um, changed my life when I watched his Unplugged show in oh, the 90s. Yeah. And this is known by many as one of the greatest songs ever mm-hmm. and uh, I want to talk about I Can't Make You Love Me Just hold me close Don't patronize Don't patronize 
everyone knows the Bonnie Raitt version, but yeah. I think a lot of people know the George Michael version too. Yeah. Um, it was the B side for older, mm-hmm. right? Um, it was the B side for I think for older, yeah, for older in 1997. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was uh, written by Mike Reed and Alan Shamblin, and uh, the Bonnie Raitt version was released in 1991. So this was a few years later. Um, but it's just uh, again, sort of what we were just talking about. The reason why I skipped to it is that. Um, it uh, it's sort of the flip side of getting yeah. to be the star of the Hollywood, uh, you know, old school kind of movie. This feels like getting to be the the lead in um, a different kind of movie. Yeah, um, getting to sort of just uh, in a very tender way tell a different side of that story about why the relationship can't work. Well, that's a it's a beautiful magical moment also that deserves mentioning. There's something beautiful about you know laying down with somebody you know, for the last time, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, the, the, things are as beautiful sometimes in the end as they are in the beginning. Yeah. You know, in a different way. And, it, you know, obviously but hearing him sing, don't patronize me. Yeah. And given like, again, I, I think, I, I wonder when I, I think about like, what will people th- think about this time? Like in history, when I'm hoping that, you know, we keep sort of progressing in the years ahead. Mm-hmm. And as maybe our, you know, uh, maybe our culture's views on sexuality keep becoming more fluid and more open. Is it going to seem totally ridiculous that we have these associations with sort of the, the power of a man singing a song like this, potentially about another man? Like it just feels so huge in my head and in right. my heart. Um, I wonder if even people who are 20 today feel the same way or not. Yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe they don't. And yeah. I, maybe that's an accomplishment. And maybe, Probably. But you know what? You and I also have a different appreciation and understanding for just how important our relationships are and our, and our yeah. friendships that we've forged through what we've experienced. That maybe somebody that hasn't lived through that won't have, uh, you know, there'll be a certain amount of naivete and and maybe not as much of an appreciation but mm. they'll have a different virtue they'll have, have a different absolutely. blessing absolutely you and, know? and let's be real i mean the theme of this is universal for sure everyone's going to relate to this song totally. these are human core feelings uh, <laughs> i have a hilarious story about this song i just okay. have to tell you yeah i went to this i went to this doomed wedding the, the couple has since divorced but the the bride and the groom got into a knockdown drag out screaming fight like peeling away in cars like at the wedding at the wedding oh yeah. girl and then and they managed to work it out within the day but i'll, I'll tell you everybody had their eyes on the, the you know the gift basket with all of the envelopes of cash wait hold on that they had in it so they got they were at the ceremony and they were fine, and at then the they church? went to the No, it was at the it was at the uh, the reception. Okay. Sorry, it was at the reception afterwards, and they got into a gigantic fight. Left the reception and came back. They left the reception in a screaming match in cars and everything, and then came back and to the every- reception. Yep, everyone stuck around. Everybody stuck around. And the the singer, the wedding singer that they had there was just singing, you know, her standards. And My one mouth of the songs, is open right now. Okay. One of the songs that she chose to sing was I Can't Make You Love Me. <laughs> and I and I, I looked around the room, A number one, the people were just unfazed because they had been so used to this couple <laughs> at each other's throats. But B number two, there was no sense of irony with anybody in the, in the you know, at the wedding that uh, why is she singing this song? At you, a know, you don't sing the song at a wedding. You know oh what I mean? So that's God. my funny story about this song. You Wait, know, were they there when she did it? Yeah, but they didn't. Nobody listens to lyrics, Brandon. I don't. Ugh. I don't know. I mean, people don't. Understand. I hang on to every I sure word. As hell do. I just want to throw in another one of my moments.
moments because I have to have it. But Prince did this song on Emancipation in 1996. He covered it at just about the same time that George Michael covered it. Basically, they both Mm. had the same idea. And I will have you note that Prince talked about George Michael in an interview in 1994 in Q Magazine. He was talking about George Michael's difficulty with with his label. He didn't feel like he got a fair shake. No, we haven't talked about that at all. Sure. Well, maybe we can use that to segue into a song from that era. But keep going. But um, but yeah, I, I prior to that, I was like, well, I feel like Prince and George Michael, they they've had such similar experiences with their their public fights with their labels, and you know, in Prince's case, George, uh, sorry, um, Warner Brothers, and in George Michael's case, Sony. Um, and I was like, I, I, I'm surprised I haven't seen more Prince talking about it. And I found an interview where he was basically saying, like, why can't George Michael make the albums that he wants to make? And like, you know, it was really cool to hear him give a shout out. And and it was also interesting that around that same time, shortly thereafter, they decided to both do the Bonnie Raitt cover and yeah. include it on their albums. So you, you think know. that was speaking to the label? I don't know. <laughs> I, or I don't know if he was going through a difficult relationship situation of his own. Sure. You know, I'm not sure. But I just thought, you know, the, the six degrees of Prince, please, there's only two in every single musical reference you can make. Certainly so I just would had to drop that. So what's a song from that era that we could drop where we were talking well... about the difficulty with, with Sony? Well, I think we could go all the way back to when he really broke up with Wham. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that sort of strange set of circumstances. Um, but essentially what was released as a Wham song, but was really a George Michael song and is now forever known as a George Michael song is the classic Careless Whisper. saxophone solo honey is legendary oh my god legendary Legendary. and she doesn't like it oh really no she likes the saxophone solo but this song for george is not he doesn't really relate to it well he was a teenager when he wrote it i mean how amazing is that yeah i think he was like 17 when he wrote this yeah yep isn't that nuts? Well, am I right about that or making that up? I, it wouldn't surprise me. The two of them, George, nineteen eighty four. I think Andrew was, originally they got together in in um, elementary school. Yeah, so they'd known each other a long time and were basically touring the world as teenagers. Yeah, this is the second single from Make It Big, which is their sophomore album, right? With a major record label, I guess so. Um, and last. Yeah, and this was his first solo single. Yeah, make it big. Despite appearing on Make It Big, it was billed as George Michael. So, so yeah, it's just an example of how he had to keep renegotiating the same contract that he was signed to when he was a teenager. But what's fascinating about this one too, though, is that even though it ended up being released as essentially a George Michael song. It was one of the few songs that they actually did co-write together. Right. Isn't that I know. funny? How's that cra- for crazy? <laughs> yeah. Well, the good for, good on Andrew for like right. picking the, the right one. Every, he, whenever <laughs> the two of them have interviews separately, they always say that Andrew, they say joking that he's the one that made the right choice because he decided to go off and, you know, go surfing and then, yeah. you know, do charity. And, 
avoid that whole crazy lifestyle. But he, you know, he wound Here's up. Here's the truth. You can't escape your path. George was going to walk down his road no matter well, what. Well, I think that it, it might have also had to do with the fact that George was gay and Andrew was straight. And, and Andrew f- publicly hooked up with, you know, one of the girls from Bananarama who he later married. And, you know, George still had all of this to, to deal with. You know what I mean? I mean, you could get really psychological about it and say that he still wasn't, hadn't completed his journey yet. And it's interesting now that he's been through his relationship with Kenny and, you know, and at long since Anselmo and stuff like that, he's slowed down a lot and quieted down a lot. You know what I mean? It may be that he just doesn't need, he doesn't need to be substituting the external validation for whatever might be going. I don't know. I'm totally reading right now. I mean, yeah. But you know, but this song is amazing. Amazing. It's really, it's really incredible. I do love that he says, um, he has something really uh, funny where he, he says something like, it's amazing how, you know, a a lyric that I wrote so flippantly can mean so much to so many people. Oh, I know. It's like, wow. Well, people really Don't do hold color. back. That's why a lot of <laughs> artists choose not to say what they're writing their material about. They don't, they don't give you the ins and the outs of everything because it's half of the success and the beauty of the art is, is allowing other people's stories and of interpretations course. to infiltrate it. He said, I don't know why it resonates with so many people. Like, does everyone cheat? He's like, what's the point? Right? Oh my God. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have a bone to pick with this song when it appears on the radio. The radio ads of this song, they don't have what I feel as my most favorite part is the sparse and like dramatic beginning vocals yeah with like this like the the synthesizer just uh-huh. underneath before the big yeah. I feel like it colors it it give it makes the explosion of the saxophone in, in the chorus so much more poignant when you've got that completely just stark you, you know that contrast otherwise it just sounds like a supermarket like over the top situation totally you're just yeah. like oh you're in the elevator but yeah <laughs> But this, but this gives it kind of like a in the air tonight type of by Phil Collins type of drama to it by starting it off like that and then exploding. All of a sudden, it takes you on that much further of a ride. So I love that, and I love the video with him in Miami. Oh my god! And the gold hoop earrings and that glamour. He had sort of that glamour shot backdrop. Yes, like (laughs) and his hair. He's got so much hair. Um, You know what? If they, you know what, you know what that look is for me. If they ever did a proper gem in a hollow. Graham's movie. That's I feel like Rio. that's Rio. Yeah. Right? Totally. Oh my God. Totally. Oh my God. You know Ugh. what? I've, I I was watching this video and I was observing that a lot of the guys that I come to have crushes on have particularly pronounced canine teeth, particularly the bottom ones. Oh. Like, I don't know if you, when you see George Michael, like open his mouth to like sing or laugh, yeah, no, I you can really it. see the little points. And, yeah. and I don't know for some reason I, I'm weird with like, I'm weird with moles and I'm weird with like eyebrows and I'm weird with like, like, Canine teeth. I don't know why, it's but very, that's an observation um, that very I made. Observant careless of whisper, aka careless, you know, bite. canine. Canine. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> canine. Go All right, figure. Let's, let's shift. To, um, I don't know that we ever talked about the Sony thing. We sort of went backwards and then stayed there. Okay. Um, you know, basically. He didn't really agree with Sony slash he was having his own hardships with obviously being, you know, out he and, and dealing with fame and, mm-hmm. and his own sexuality and his own just uh, growing up. And I think after being in the spotlight so long, he really pulled back. And when he decided not to be front and center in his work, especially in the videos and whatnot, Sony reacted and, and I, I think started to withhold the way they were promoting his music. And it became this back and forth battle where nobody was winning. It seemed like everybody was losing. 
right? Yeah. Well, and ultimately he wound up getting back together with them. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. Right. So, and Prince did the same thing with Warner Brothers. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, like, at the end of yeah. the day, you realize that all, all of these things that you're fighting so hard against, you know, to define yourself against and, and ultimately they wind up being a, a part of you that like, you know, you don't, I don't know, you never really truly let go. Yeah. I don't know. But I feel like that's a nice transition to the, the gist of the, the, the next song I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. It was the first single from his hits compilation 25 uh, from 2006 and in the US 2008. The name of the song is An Easier Affair. It's it, basically the the gist of it is he's saying it's an easier affair not living my life with other people on my mind. He doesn't have anything to hide from anybody, yeah. um, and he's gonna get what's his. Uh, he doesn't have time for the haters. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's a that was a really cool statement to make. It's a statement I feel like he's always been making, mm-hmm. but he made it musically with this with this piece. And it was an important moment because it was the time when he decided to really reengage with his fans and with the community and do a real full world tour. Um, so it, it coincided with this moment of really being front and center again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, and, and cool too, because he's saying, you know, not living life with other people on his mind. I'm thinking, who are the other people? Are they those fans? Are they people, you know, record executives? Are they members of the media? Are they, you know, like in, he talks about in Star People, counting your money until your soul turns green? Or, you know, are they partners, romantic partners, or anybody with any expectations I of think, him? Yeah. What a freeing thing to it. say, though. You, you know, you're not living your life for anybody else but yourself. That's yeah. Something that it could, you know, depending on your your size and your standing within the industry, can be career suicide if you yeah. make a, a if you make a statement that bold. But for somebody with a catalog like his and with as much credibility as he has, it's sort of like you know, it's a share moment in like sort of etching him himself into into legacy. I also yeah. think the stakes are different. I think mm-hmm. for him, you know, he's been fortunate enough where he has enough where he doesn't need to work because I think he would adjust his lifestyle accordingly to, to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and, and because he has such, I think, a tumultuous relationship with his, you know, profession and with celebrity and music making. I mean, I think that he, um, yeah, I think if he was, if he was one of those people that we know in the limelight that try and try and try to keep getting the attention, I think it would be, um, it would be a little bit different, but he can make a bold statement because I think he's really willing to risk it all as I'm trying to say. Yeah. Sure. Like, I think he'd be okay if nobody came to the concert. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I maybe like not you. really, but kind of. Well, the reality is, is that it's that very attitude that makes people come out in droves from all walks of life and all ages. And, yeah. and I want to say that this music video is another acknowledgement of, of, you know, it's really celebrating diversity. You've got all kinds of gender, ident- gender identities in the video, people of all sizes and colors. You've got male and female dancers, you know, in point shoes and high heels. And there's people doing hip hop. There's athletes and fashionistas. And this has kind of been the, the trend for him in a lot of his videos like in like in um too funky and fast love and pay uh, uh sorry um 
uh, freedom, um, mm-hmm. you know, just like a, a really diverse cast of people coming in and out and really celebrating everybody. He leaves nobody out of the, you know, like this metaphor could be for you too. You know, if you're a, like a funky kid from Brooklyn and you want to wear high heels and like a b-boy hat, then go for it. Like, don't live your life. Don't waste any more time on haters and living your life for anybody else but yourself. Yeah. You know, so I think that that's cool. That's that's always like a motif in his in his video and his visuals is including everybody. You know, totally. I think that's totally true. I, I couldn't help but think as you were talking just about how. God, it still seems like, I mean, he's been away from the public eye for a little bit, but, um, it just, when you see him recently, when occasionally it's happened, just does not, does not seem well. It just seems like these demons he can't really, mm-hmm. I don't know. Conquer. I think it's tough to be gifted. Yeah. I think it's tough to be, to be touched. And there, in order to be able to, to be, have the capacity for this much vulnerability and creativity, there has to be, you know, it's, it's a, it's a cliche, but you know, it's the whole tortured artist thing. There's a certain amount of suffering that you have to experience. You know, I, I don't want there to be suffering. Is that true? I don't know if it is true, but I mean, sometimes it's difficult for people that, that to, to, that are creative. They have, I don't know. I I I don't know him. Personally. I think it's difficult for people. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of people who aren't creative who are stuck with well, similar sure. issues. I mean, sure. I don't know. I always get a little bit. I and then to add sometimes. the variables of cameras and music videos yeah. and tours and health problems. I mean, he got he got really sick recently. You know, with that whole thing during the symf- symphonica tour. I know. You know well, so- speaking of which, I mean, I feel like one of the songs that is just. Uh, you know, epitomizes the George Michael experience um, and and was the opener during the Symphonica tour, which was his orchestral uh, explosion. Yeah. Opus, yeah. Um, but that song we should talk about is Through. So hear me now I've no memory of truth But suddenly the audience is so cruel Brandon, this is an amazing song and it's such a it's a cool note to wrap up on and kind of like putting the bow on him and you know tell me why you chose it and well I mean you just (laughs) it's like the words I mean it's just he he's he's saying in, in no uncertain terms that he's just kind of had it and he's he's owning that he's um he's having a hard time and i think that he's kind of just uh saying to god i i can't do this can i can i quote some of the lyrics if if you don't mind because i think that they're really poignant and, and beautiful and he says all this hatred may just make me strong enough to walk away they may strip me of all the things that i've worked for but i've had my say I've had enough of these change. I know they're of my making. No one else to blame for where I stand today. Suddenly the audience is so cruel. All of this cruelty and money instead of love. People, have we no shame? Life is for the taking. What kind of fool would remain in this cheap gilded cage? You know? I mean, that pretty much says it. Yeah. You know? And I think that's where he lives most of the time. In that space. That's his prerogative. It is his prerogative. You know, it's so difficult. It's so difficult to let go of something and someone that you love so much. We're, we're so like hooked up to the IV of getting, you know, these CDs and the digital music from him, like once every couple of years and, and feeding that, you know, um, 
But it's always like, I always say it to you. It's like, we always have to remember that like, people don't owe us anything. You know, he doesn't owe any, if he doesn't want to share his stories or if he doesn't want to sing another note in his life. Not at all. You know, and it's I tough to respect other, that. Yeah, it is. You know? As a fan, it's hard when you really appreciate someone's music and you want them um, to be all that you see in them. But again, it's no different from like a lover or a relationship where you sort of see the potential in someone, but you have to deal with who they actually are. Yeah. <laughs> They're people. Um, I, I love the notion of through also being a theme for his life and the way it's ebbed and flowed because um whenever I listen to this song, even though I think most of the time it really means one thing, I sort of hear this spectrum of what through can mean. And there's this idea of through as having traversed and sort of gone through something and being on the other side of it. Uh-huh. And then through meaning giving up. I'm done with it. And right. I sort of hear both of those both. things in the well, song. Good for and you. I love that. that. Like positive Brendan again, like I giving know. it the upswing. <laughs> hey, I've made well, it to the other side. Sometimes that's cool. Yeah. I, I really appreciate about this track and about this album in general i've really feel i appreciate the devastating account of the state of the business and celebrity and the the cannibalistic media yeah you know i think he has in in the song patience and we we don't have to put it on there but um he mentions that you know we see our broken women on imaginary shelves and i just really feel like he's speaking to this the, the commodification of everybody's suffering is destroying us and it's it's destroying the art and the and the um the genre and it's making it so that people like him are are becoming discouraged because it's like once upon a time you had a good time and you could you know you could make mistakes or you could you know um, you could be who you are or whatever and there wasn't somebody always down your throat with a camera scrutinizing every millisecond but now so maybe it's a call to to ease up or to to just relax and a number one quit you know quit being the paparazzi or quit being the media creating it and also quit being the people consuming it yeah i think that's really we have to put ourselves in check right it's kind of i think it becomes a supply demand circumstance a little bit yeah be responsible for what you're consuming. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And I, I, I think he's kept up his end of the bargain in being responsible for the honesty that he's, you know, of the work that he's creating. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And and I think that when it comes down to in, like interviews like on Oprah and on Parkinson, he said he does know that his true fans don't give a shit about any of the crap, about any of the the scandal and the bull. No, the I bowl. mean, the one time I've gotten to see him live, it was such uh, an honor and a joy. Me. Yeah. You like, were sick and everything. So you like went to the end of the earth to be able to I went to, to the ends of the earth because I knew it doesn't happen that often. And mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't there thinking about a scandal or about anything other than being in the room with this gorgeous voice and talent. And yeah. that's what it felt like. Amen. Amen. So I think we're through with this episode. Never <laughs> through with George Michael. Never that. And we'll probably come back in the future and, and do a part two. But for now, this is our abbreviation, abbreviated appreciation yeah. of the man. The myth. <laughs> the legend. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, this was great. Yeah. Thank you, Vic. All right, Brandon. We'll see you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. If you like our show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are hot. And if you really like our show, we'd love a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter at Back on Track Show, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and all of your favorite ways of time. <laughs> we love to hear from you. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and check out all of our Mixtape playlists. And if you're outraged that your favorite track didn't make the list, visit us at www.backontrackshow.com and let us have it. You know, we'll tell you what we think, honey. All right, we're done. Peace.